0: Welcome to Toward Today Ministries in our continuing series, The Hebrew Key, where we look at things that appear in the Hebrew and uh, often don't reveal themselves in the English language and the English translations. Uh, However, this week's, this episode of The Hebrew Key is something you actually can follow along in your English translation but I thought this teaching was important enough to do and wasn't quite sure which series to put it into. So I'm just including it here in the Hebrew Key Series. So you're not gonna be learning much about Hebrew, but I think you'll find the lesson to be a blessing. I hope it is, uh, nevertheless. In a recent uh, week, we, recent Torah portion, we were looking at Torah portion Noach, which has the story of Noah and the flood and the ark it also has the story of um, the Tower of Babel and all the confusion that came from that. And in between the two stories, we have this episode where one of Noah's sons, Chem, Ham, as you may know him, whose name means heat, and he operated off the heat of the flesh, it appears. Uh, he did something that isn't spelled out for us in the Torah, and maybe it's I'm sure that must be for the best. But he did something that was pretty despicable. Whatever it was, it was despicable. And there's a curse that comes because of what he did. Let's take a look. When you read in the Torah, you find that Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Shem was the father of the Shemitic or Semitic peoples, including the Jewish people. Uh, Japheth, we think he was mostly the uh, Eastern European people, but that's uh, speculation. And then there's Ham, which settled there in the Middle East, North Africa, and so on. And Ham had four sons, Cush, Mitzrayim, which means Egypt, Fut, and Canaan. So Noah had a son named Ham. Ham's youngest son was Canaan. So when we were reading this recently, um, for some reason, I just started wondering about Canaan, who he was, and why did Noah curse him? You think if Ham was the one who did this despicable act, Noah had cursed him. Why did he curse his own grandson, Canaan, instead? And so I just started following along the verses in scripture that mention Canaan by name. So I invite you to follow this, uh, this trail of breadcrumbs and I think you'll be blessed as you do because there's an amazing story that opens up for us here that might tie a lot of things together for you. So the first place we find Canaan mentioned is in Genesis 9.18. The sons of Noah who went forth in the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. Why do we need to know that? Why does not tell us one of the sons of Shem or one of the sons of Japheth? Why does it single out this fourth son of Ham? It's almost like the Bible, the Torah is holding up a flag saying, stop, take a look at this. I want to draw your attention to something important. So that's what we're doing in this study. We're going to follow this trail. So that's the first mention of Canaan. The second occurrence is just a few verses later. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Again, why does it single out that he was the father of Canaan? What does that have to do with the story? Canaan's not involved in the story. But nevertheless, Ham is designated as the father of Canaan. So when Noah wakes up from his wine and realizes what this thing was that Ham did, whatever it was, he says, cursed be Canaan. Now, why didn't he say cursed be Ham? Ham is the one who did this thing. But instead he curses Ham's son. He said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. I'm not sure why Canaan was cursed. But it's almost as if Noah decided, Ham, since you mistreated your father in such a horrible way, my curse is that you have a son that treats you the same way. So the curse was put on Ham's son and that he would be a slave to his brothers and that he would be demoted among all of of Noah's descendants, now some people carry this so far to say that oh canaan he's the father. I mean back in the Civil War, this is the case. Ham was the father of the uh the black African tribes. This is why slavery's okay well, that's really not right. Canaan was not the father of any black African tribes. That is utter nonsense to tie those two together but let's keep following this. Uh, this this trail of Canaan. So in the next chapter, in Genesis chapter 10, it gives us the sons of Ham. The sons of Ham are Cush, Mitzrayim, Phut, and Canaan, which we saw earlier. And now we get the descendants of Canaan himself. In Genesis 10, verses 15 to 20, Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Chet, who is the father of the Hittites, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Gurgashites and the Hivites, the Arkites, and so on. And then it says in the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar as far as Gaza, in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adama, Zeboim, and so on and so forth. And all of this is basically to point out a couple of things. First of all, the Canaanite nations lived in the land of Canaan. And what is the land of Canaan? Present-day Israel. Now, let this sink in for a moment. Out of all the human beings on earth, the most cursed is Canaan and his descendants. So, Canaan and his descendants moved this land between the Mediterranean Sea and the Jordan River, and that's where they settle. is called the land of Canaan or we could say the land of the most cursed human being on the planet. And when you read about the Canaanite nations, you see these names listed. Now, there's one name missing, and that's the Perizzites. And uh, whether the Perizzites descended from one of these groups that are mentioned, I, I don't know. But we know that the Perizzites settled in the area of Shechem. And when Abram later traveled from Ur Kasdim and crossed the Jordan, His first stopping point was in Shechem, and that's where he built an altar. So he was in the area of the Perizzites. Now, let's take this all a bit further. So we understand now who the Canaanites are. They're the descendants of Canaan, the grandson of Noah, the one whom Noah cursed because of some despicable, probably sexual sin that his son Ham committed. In Genesis 11.31, It says, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife. They went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Let's think for a moment. God calls Abram. And he says, I want you to leave your land, leave your family, leave everything that's familiar and come to a land that I'm going to show you. And Abram would have known this story of Noah and Ham and Canaan. He would have known about the curse that Noah placed on Canaan. He would have known who the Canaanites were, the descendants of this cursed people. And yet God's calling him to follow him. And then when he decides to follow him, okay, Lord, where are we going? Well, we're going to Canaan, the place that is the home of the most cursed people on the planet. Hmm. And then we go to the next chapter, Genesis 12, verses 5 and 6. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, all their possessions that they had gathered, The people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah, at the time the Canaanites were in the land. Three times in these two verses, Canaan is mentioned. It's again, uh, uh, once again, it's as if the scripture's trying to drive home a point. Abraham followed God, God led him to the most cursed place on the earth, Canaan. You'd think God would lead him to a blessed place. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless those who bless you. You're going to be a blessing. Let's go, let's go to the most cursed place on earth. Something to take in and think about. It also gives us a look into just how much faith Abram truly had. Now we go on down a, a few more chapters to Genesis 17. And uh, verse 8. Now this is after God establishes a blood covenant with Abram. Now you have to understand something about blood covenants. Blood covenants were always formed between two men who considered themselves equals. But in Genesis 15, God establishes a blood covenant with Abraham, a mere human being, which speaks very highly of God's humility and just how much He revered Abraham to make a blood covenant with him. And part of that covenant was to give him land. And so two chapters later in chapter 17 and verse 8, God says, And I will give to you and to your offsprings after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So I'm going to give you a land that right now is inhabited by the most cursed people in the world. But I'm going to take their land and give it to you. Now, Abram lives out his life in Canaan. His son Isaac comes along and he lives out his life in Canaan. And then Canaan has two sons, Jacob and Esau. And uh, Esau, he intermarries with Canaanite women. And this very, very much displeased Isaac And his wife, Rebecca, And you can understand why now, why this was so displeasing to them. But when it comes to Jacob, it says that Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and directed him, you must not take a wife from the Canaanite women. Why? This is a cursed people. Don't intermarry with them. And so he sends him back to uh, his hometown, back over on the east side of the Jordan. And that's where he meets his uh, uncle Laban. And you know the whole story. Now we go a bit further, and you go through the whole story of the Jewish people in the Torah, and in Joshua, and in the prophets, and then in Psalm 78, Psalm 78 is like a review of Jewish history, and you come to verses 54 and 55, and look what it says, and he brought them, the Jewish people, to his holy land. This is incredible. The land of Canaan, the land of the Canaanites, the most cursed people. I know I've said that a million times already. The most cursed people in the world. The land they lived on is what God called His holy land, His set-apart land. You know, as I look at these passages, and I think of this story something rings familiar about it. And maybe it does to you too in your own life, or at least in the, the history of God's redeemed people. And that is that we follow God in faith. He makes promises to us, but he doesn't give us details. We follow him in faith because he's called us and we trust him. We believe in him, we love him, and so we're going to follow him. And he often leads us to a place that we would not choose, because all we can see is the downside. Like the land of Canaan, and the problem with it is filled with Canaanites. People have been cursed, who are cursed. But then what did God do? They were lights to these people. They lived in their midst, and they lived successfully in their midst. Look at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They lived in the midst of the Canaanites, and they flourished, they thrived. Because as long as you're in the center of God's will, it doesn't make any difference whether you're in the middle of the Canaanites or not. If you're in the middle of his will, you're in the best place you could possibly be, regardless of the people around you. And then after Israel goes into Egypt, spends quite a long time there. And then under Moses, they come out of Egypt. Then under Joshua, they go back into the land of Canaan. They go in as conquerors. And God instructs them to wipe out the Canaanites. Now, if you follow God, he's not going to say, okay, take up your sword and start killing all your neighbors and the people around you who are immoral. What he is going to do, he's going to tell you to take up your sword, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and deal death to the enemies in your own soul, the squatters who are there in your soul, a soul that is now his holy soul. And we have to be merciless against the enemies of our souls. Those things in us, those drives and inclinations, Those sins that would want to gain a stronghold over us and we must put them to death by God's word of truth. Uh, We must do it without mercy. Because this is now God's holy land. So I'm going to leave it right there with you. We followed a trail of breadcrumbs just taking the appearances of the word Canaan and Canaanites. And to me, it, it makes kind of an amazing picture. It's an amazing journey that's outlined for us as we connect to these dots. So I'm going to leave it with you. I don't want to do all your thinking for you. I always like to leave it with you so you have something to think about and ponder. And don't hesitate to uh, drop an email with an insight to share or a question. So, uh, I hope that as we looked at cursed Canaan, you'll find in the middle of this a blessing for yourself. So, until next time, I wish you shalom and may God bless. Amen.